Welcome to the PDX Pet Connection Podcast. On today's episode, I have Laura Klink of the Oregon Humane Society. Stay tuned to learn about all the wonderful work they do for the pets of Portland and what changes they have made to continue to offer great service and events during this challenging time. Welcome to the PDX Pet Collective Podcast. If you are a Portland pet parent or the owner of a Portland pet business, then you have come to the right place. And now your host, dog photographer, donut connoisseur, whiskey lover, and Sherlock fan, Kim Hoschel. Pet Connection Podcast. I have Laura from the Oregon Humane Society with me here today. Hi, Laura. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I'm glad to have you on the show. Um, So I know most of our listeners probably know about the Oregon Humane Society. You've been around a long time, but for those who um, maybe are newer to Oregon, could you tell us a little bit about um, when, when it started and what you do? Sure. The Oregon Humane Society was actually founded in 1868, which is about eight years after Oregon became a state. So we are a very um, old uh, nonprofit in this community. We've been around for a very long time. And despite our name, Oregon Humane Society, we are actually not associated with any national organizations or other humane societies. So we are an Oregon-based nonprofit. We've been uh, serving the pets and people of this community for 152 years years and we're we're really proud of our history. That's amazing. I, yeah, and I that's something I didn't know is that you're not affiliated with the other humane society. Yeah, I mean okay. the name the name the name might lead you to believe that, but we are each our own standalone organizations. Oh, very cool. And I know that um, the Oregon Humane Society's held in very high esteem nationwide cuz you've done such a great job on uh, helping all the pets find some, find homes and setting up programs that other people have copied. Yeah, absolutely. We have, um, we're very grateful to have partnered with some of the national organizations like the ASPCA and the Humane Society of the United States, particularly when it comes to disaster response. So I've been part of a team that's deployed to various disasters as part of the ASPCA's response. Um, With our Oregon Humane Society Second Chance Program, we brought pets to Oregon and to OHS for adoption from uh, other areas of the country, whether they're hit by disasters or they are just dealing with, um, you know, not enough adopters and too many animals. We, in the past, have worked with a nonprofit out of Oklahoma to bring dogs from Oklahoma and cats to Oregon because we're very lucky in Oregon to have a very pet-friendly and pet-loving community. People have really embraced adoption here as the first option. And so for the Oregon Humane Society, we see our role as uh, really national leaders, and we um, feel like we definitely have a responsibility to reach out to other areas of the country that may need assistance. And so we're, we're glad we're in a position to be able to do that. Yeah, that's great. Um, so we were talking a little bit about this um, with Doggy Dash being canceled and Corgi Day at the Beach being canceled and uh, you know some of the other fundraisers. I know Doggy Dash is going virtual. So how has the pandemic affected how you do business daily and for your events? 
So our events um, have, you know, definitely been a challenge because we are used to being in person together, celebrating with our pets. Doggy Dash is a great example of that. So is Corgi Beach Day. And of course, to see to keep uh, the public safe, we have taken a lot of our events virtual. So this past weekend, we just had our virtual summer gala called Tail Wag. And we broadcast live from the shelter and we were on YouTube. Um, and, you know, we were sharing great stories of some wonderful adoptions, how all of our operations have had to shift to adapt to the times that we're in. So we're looking at taking um, most of our events virtual this year. We did have our first in-person event called Canines Uncorked, and that was at the beginning of August. And that is a, for people who are not familiar with it, that is a, a tour of wine country that you can do with your pets. And so we redesigned the, the event this year to really limit the number of people. People went to the wineries in specific shifts and followed certain maps. So we could still give people that experience of, um, you know, being somewhere in person, enjoying the sunshine, enjoying the day with their pet, but still keeping people spread apart, having enough time between visitors where we could, um, clean things off. Uh, The participating wineries that we worked with were just incredible to work with. And so we're just getting really creative in how we do all of our events because it's still, um, people still, I think, want to celebrate that relationship with their pet. Um, And people are looking for, you know, some entertainment sometimes and looking for a way to maybe make a difference to an organization that you care about. So we are still looking at, you know, doing these events. Doggy Dash is going virtual that event will take place on October 3rd. Um, And we've got some wonderful prize incentives for people to earn as they fundraise for shelter animals. That's awesome. Yeah, the Canines Uncorked is such a great event. And I'm so glad that that one actually happened this year. Because it is a a little easier to space out at at those wineries that participated. Because we've been out out to Apollonia a couple times now and they've done such a great job. Yeah, the, you know, again, I think people were really you know, we, we talked about it internally. Should this be a virtual event? Like how, how can we do this? And our event director um, of Canines and Cork, Stephanie, just did a great job of saying, you know, I think people really have a desire to celebrate kind of in person and to maybe get out of the house. And we feel like this is a, a uh, an event that, like you mentioned, is really um, easier to, to have people spread apart and Um, you know, maintain their distance. There's, you know, you're outside. Uh, But the event did have to be completely retooled to make sure that uh, there weren't too many people at a winery at a certain time, that the wineries had time to to disinfect and clean between visitors. So um, yeah, we were, we were really uh, happy to be able to pull that off in this, in this new reality that we're living in. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Doggy Dash is a little more challenging. To, to uh, try and social distance that one. <laughs> yeah, if you've ever been down to Waterfront Park for Doggy Dash, you know that it's shoulder to shoulder and it's thousands of people and thousands of dogs. And um, certainly, you know, we are looking forward to the day where we can do that event in person again. But in the meantime, we're, we're looking at creative ways to still give people an opportunity to celebrate. Oh, yeah, we are, we are signed up and ready to go. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Um, So now how is the pandemic affecting your adoptions and um, like volunteers and all that sort of stuff? 
So every aspect of our work at the Oregon Humane Society has been affected in some way, shape, or form by COVID-19. And so a good example of that is our adoption. So we have moved to an adoptions by appointment model. Our shelter uh, in the past, if you've ever been to OHS, like on a Saturday, it's packed with people. A lot of people will come in to adopt, but sometimes people will just come in to walk around. And because of the pandemic, we've had to close our doors for walkthroughs. So our doors are closed to the public. Um, but we are still doing adoptions by appointment. And we really wanted to be able to continue to do adoptions because we know that when one animal leaves our shelter to a loving home, that frees up a kennel to bring in another animal that may need may need help. So about mid-March, we moved to doing adoptions by appointment only. So the way the process works right now is if you go onto OregonHumane.org and you see a pet that you might be interested in, and I have a little tip for your listeners, all the animals, new animals that are going to be available for adoption are loaded on the website between 6 and 7 p.m. each night. So if anybody that is listening to this is looking to adopt a pet, that is when to look at our website. Um, if you see a pet that you're interested in, you fill out a questionnaire that comes to our adoptions department, and then they will call you back to discuss that pet's um, particular needs, medical needs, behavior needs. Uh, they'll talk to you a little bit about, you know, your lifestyle. Do you have other pets at home? How active are you, etc. Um, and then if, but you know, if it seems like it's going to be a good fit, the bulk of the adoption is actually done over the over the phone. So then, when the appointment is set and that person comes in to meet that pet, it's about ninety five percent good chance that pet's going to go home with that person. And so that in-person time is really just spent getting to know that particular pet. And one thing that's been really, you know, I actually, when I'm at the shelter, I sit with all of our adoptions folks, um, you know, spread out, but I'm in the same kind of general area. And it's really, I have really enjoyed hearing them having these very meaningful conversations with folks on the phone. And, um, you know, they're just finding all these creative ways to really, really help people find the right match. And uh, I'll give you a good example. A couple weeks ago, we had an application for a kitten come in from someone who is an x-ray technician at a local hospital, and she works with COVID patients. And so we wanted to make sure that we were able to do everything we can to keep that healthcare worker healthy so they so she could continue to care for patients in need so what we did is we set up a zero contact adoption for her so we did everything over the phone over webex and so when she came to the shelter to pick up her new kitten we literally put the kitten in a carrier outside the front door we stepped back she picked up the kitten and and went on her way she never even came in the shelter because, you know, that adoption to me was also very special because I think like most of us, we are so grateful for everything that people who work in human health care are doing these days. And for us to be able to find that person, you know, a, a sweet little affectionate kitten that was going to bring her joy at the end of probably what is a stressful work day, we were super excited to do that. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and great for her mental health to be able to come home to that, come home to the kitten. Exactly, exactly. So, and you know, adoptions is just one area of the shelter that's changed. So our admissions process has, has changed. Um, the way our animal care team works has changed. We do not have any on-site volunteers right now, which is kind of heartbreaking because we love our volunteers. Um, but, you know, in order to keep everyone spread out, um, we have put a pause on in-shelter volunteering. We still have amazing volunteers who are doing things from home um, and helping us with, with all 
all sorts of projects. Um, our medical center has been a challenge because uh, in any kind of veterinary or even human medical setting, staying six feet apart is, is difficult. So mm-hmm. we have split our medical team up into two cohorts. And so they work opposite ends of the week. Uh, and the reason that we did that is that if someone from say group A uh, gets sick and those folks all have to quarantine, it doesn't affect our entire medical team, only half of our medical team. So then you have say group B that then can cover um, you know, the whole week until we're sure everybody in group A is healthy. So you know, it's, it's looking at every single aspect of the shelter operations to see what do we need to change to keep people safe, to keep serving animals and helping animals um, and really adapt and change to, to, to the current times. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot to think about. It's more, it's more than you'd think, you know, we, when we, um, we have a kind of an emergency response team that started meeting at, at, in the, actually the beginning of March when we, when we had a feeling this was really going to be something very big. And so we follow the incident command system, which is a, a, a a system um, that FEMA um, uses. And so from the beginning of March, our team mobilized and got together and, uh, you know, we split up into, you know, our different areas of expertise and we were able to mobilize really quickly and think, okay, what are some areas of the shelter that are at risk? What do we know that we need to keep doing to serve the public? Where do we need to pivot to maybe meet some new needs? So in um, May, we were able to secure a large donation of uh, pet food from Greater Good. And because we have this infrastructure, this kind of transportation and logistics infrastructure from moving pets from other shelters, we took those vehicles and those employees and we delivered about 70,000 pounds of food um, around the state and in our on-site um, pet food distribution uh, program. Oh, Wow. Yeah. So it was, you know, we, again, it's, we're sort of in these unprecedented times. I feel like that's said a lot, Um, but, you know, it it really is true. And especially when you think back to May and, you know, things are kind of starting to settle into a bit of a routine now, but when you think back to April and May, where we, you know, it was just such a shock, everything that was going on and, you know, to hear about so many people losing their jobs and losing their income or having trouble, um, you know, getting their unemployment benefits. And so we, you know, really wanted to figure out, okay, what is one less stressor that we can take off of people's back if they've, you know, come into some some difficult financial times. We thought, well, no one should have to worry about feeding their pet right now. So um, again, just some really fast thinking and using some of the transportation and logistics that we already have in our infrastructure. And we, um, you know, hit every single county in Oregon. So, you know, we were we were very much like, you know, we, we are the Oregon Humane Society. How can we serve the entire state uh, during these times? So, yeah, we're just getting very creative and, and seeing where the needs are. Well, and that's so, and that shows why you're so successful as a rescue in general, because you were forward thinking enough to think in March that this was going to, this could be a, a new reality for however long and that you needed to do what it took to continue, you know, serving the public. It's like the, the fact that you thought about that in March and didn't wait around to see what was going to happen, you know, really speaks to how prepared you are. 
Yeah, and a lot of that comes from our experience in disaster response. We've, um, you know, going back to Hurricane Katrina, we've sent teams to deploy to disaster zones. And so we are very lucky to have quite a few people on staff that are well-versed in disaster response. And, you know, really we've been kind of living this disaster response now for, you know, a good five, six months. And so it really helped us get into that mindset early on that we are in a disaster. You know, how do we have our roles assigned correctly? How do we, you know, identify what um, were our kind of vulnerable areas are? How do we assess needs um, and, you know, continue to fulfill our mission as much as possible um, while we um, adjust to this? Because, you know, at the, back in March, it would have been great to think like, oh, in four weeks, we'll be through this. And, um, but, you know, we, that's clearly not the case. And, and we just have to continue to, to do what we can to adapt, change. And, but, you know, our commitment to pets and people is, is is just as strong as ever. That's awesome. Now, have you seen an uptick in adoptions during the pandemic? You know, this is that's a very interesting question because I, I know that across the country, this has been a story, um, you know, basically continuously for the last five or six months. Um, so I can tell you, because it's a little hard to assess at OHS because in our old way of doing things, you could come into the shelter, um, you know, you'd walk around, you'd maybe, you know, see an animal that that um, looks like it he or she would be a good fit, you'd meet with the animal and, and take that animal home. So now with our process, you know, taking a couple of days instead of a couple of hours, um, it you know, it's kind of an apples to oranges comparison during a typical year for the last, you know, 10 years, we've done 11,000 adoptions a year. We're certainly going to do less adoptions this year, but since early March, we've done about 3,000 adoptions, which is still remarkable in so many ways that we've been able to do that. What I can tell you is that for every pet that we have posted on our website, sometimes we'll get up to 20 applications for one animal. So, oh, wow. you know, there there is definitely a, an eagerness to adopt, which is just great. I mean, it, in a lot of ways, it is a very good time to bring a pet into your home. You're probably home a little bit more. Um, you know, you, you might be, especially right now, getting into more of a routine if you've been thinking about getting an animal. Um, um, you know, this might be might be the right time. Um, so yeah, we've definitely seen a huge interest in um, people wanting to adopt, and that's been the case all over the country, which is which is great. And you know, at OHS, we definitely want to set people up for success. I didn't mention this before, but one of the areas that um, we are still, you know, we've had to pivot a bit is with our training and behavior classes. So for a couple of months, everything was virtual. So it was all over Zoom. Um, so one-on-one -on -one consultations with a trainer, or you could participate in a class. And obviously that's really important. If you're bringing a puppy into your home, um, getting that puppy well socialized, teaching him or her some basic manners is so important. Um, um, we just recently, about a month ago, started doing in-person classes at the shelter again, um, and that is done, obviously, in a, in a redesigned way. You know, we have less people in each class. Everyone's spread apart. We have one door where people come in and leave. Um, I have my sister-in-law just adopted a puppy and um, participated in Puppy Romp, which is a really awesome thing that we do for 
people with puppies who are 20 weeks and younger, you can sign your puppy up to come to basically a play session that is supervised by our trainers. And it's a great way to get a puppy um, socialized, especially right now where it might be a little bit more challenging to, you know, see other people, see other dogs, et cetera. So um, yeah, I mean, it's, we, you know, Portland and Oregon, I think in general has always been very adopt adoption friendly. People are usually choosing adoption as their first option when they, when they look for a pet. Um, but I think that it's nice to see in other areas of the country that that's, that's been a trend as well. So I hope that continues. Yeah, definitely. And I agree. It's like, this is the perfect time because you're home, you can be more consistent with your training. Cause I find, cause I'm, I'm still just finishing dog training school. And it's like the consistency of being able to be on top of it right when it happens is hard when you're working and the puppy's at home in a crate and, you know, they're not getting that feedback and to have that puppy romp is awesome. Cause I puppy always get that question. Is, oh my gosh. And it's the cutest thing. You know, I went with my sister-in-law because I'd never been to one and it was, it was just so silly cute, but you know, it is really um, so important for young puppies to get that socialization with other dogs and with people. And the class I went to was supervised by one of our trainers named Paulina. And she was just amazing because she could see, okay, that puppy maybe is getting a little frightened. Let's maybe put um, her in this play group over here. Cause we split up into a couple different smaller play groups. So nothing was too overwhelming for any particular puppy. There were about six or seven puppies in the class. So we were in two different groups, you know, the little more rowdy ones and the little shyer ones were kind of in opposite ends of our, our manners hall. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was puppy romp is as cute as it sounds. Let me just put it that way. But, you know, it's interesting. One thing that our trainers, um, and I have been talking about a lot is, you know, if you are bringing a new, um, whether it's a puppy or an adult dog, especially into your home, one thing to keep in mind is we won't always be living this way. And so you want your, your pup to make sure that they are able to be home alone. So, you know, you might need to just very intentionally, you know, practice some of the things that you would be doing when things go back to, I say it in quotes, normal, but, you know, when you're, say, maybe working at the office a little bit more. So, you know, maybe practice putting that pup in its crate for, um, you know, even 20 minutes while you go for a walk around the block, you know, making sure you're setting your dog up for success when things uh, change and pivot back to us being out of the home a little bit more. Yeah. I'm so glad you said that because I did a blog post on that, you know, is your dog ready for you to go back to work? Because, you know, I've, I've been already getting calls from dogs that I've walked and they, you know, the they're saying, oh, well, suddenly he's showing all these behaviors. And I was like, well, what's different? Well, I went back to work. Okay. And did you just like one day you were home all day and one day you went back to work and they were like, well, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, no, we that's, might that's... need to have a discussion. <laughs> Exactly. So yeah, get used to that pup being in a home, you know, for an hour at a time, two hours at a time. Yeah, if you know you're going to be going back to working an eight-hour day in an office in 
say two or three weeks, you know, start today by just making sure that that dog has some time alone to self-soothe. You know, as you know, there's a lot of great um, toys that you can give them to, you know, make when you leave. It's a good thing when I leave. Here's a calm with some frozen treats in it. Yay, it's a party. I've often joked um, on the flip side that my cats are uh, usually very eager for me to leave. Like, are you still here? When are you leaving? Like, this is crazy that you're around so much. Yeah. (laughs) I know. We both work from home. So Lucas doesn't know that this is any different than any other time. He's just like, well, this is Tuesday, isn't it? Just you know, same old, same old. And, and I, and we joked that he you know, was talking to his friends and they're all telling him, I can't believe she's still home. She doesn't go to work. She's so lazy, you know, cause, cause all Lucas does is just bounce from my office to my husband's office. And he's just like, oh, okay. But That's you know, so I'm sure that I'm sure the dogs are wondering what the heck's going on. And suddenly you, you know, you're home all day long and you want to walk. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, one, okay. of my, one, one of my dogs is, uh, she's 12 and she's an old 12. And, uh, you know, but when I take her for her second walk of the day, she's looking at me like, no, I'm good. I'm just going to go over here and nap. Why are you still here? Get out of here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just leave me alone. Uh, <laughs> this is my nap time. Exactly. Oh my goodness. Would you like to celebrate the life of your furry family member? Kim Hoshel Photography captures your dog's personality through fun outdoor photography sessions and creates beautiful wall art and albums that you will cherish for a lifetime. So I saw this morning on the news that you got a big donation from Petco uh, Mm -hmm. um, to help support the opening of your teaching hospital. Could you talk to us a little bit more about that? Absolutely. Well, we're super grateful to the Petco Foundation for supporting this project. And they stepped up with a $300,000 grant, which is going to just make a huge difference for animals in this community. So that grant will be used for a number of things. So one, it will help fund some of the medical care that we're providing to animals today um, at the um, hospital at OHS. But um, really exciting is this project that we are going to be breaking ground on next year. And that's a community teaching hospital. And what that will be is a hospital designed to serve lower income pet owners, because we know from our spay and save program, which is our low cost spay neuter program, that a lot of the pets that come to us for spay neuter surgery have never seen a vet before for just basic well care, or maybe they have other uh, medical issues. So the community teaching hospital will be a place where those pet owners can go to get uh, service on a sliding scale, depending on what they're able to afford. Um, And the word teaching is in there because through our partnership with Oregon State University, we will have veterinary students um, helping out in the hospital who they'll be supervised by OHS vets, but it will be a wonderful opportunity for those um, new vets to work with clients. Um, And most importantly, you know, it will help people uh, keep their pets, keep their pets healthy. You know, we know what a strong bond people have with their pet and what an important role pets play in our life. There's a lot of new research coming out about just, you know, how important for people's emotional well-being it is to keep that pet in that home and help, um, 
help preserve that bond. And there's really nothing more heartbreaking than someone having to give up their pet because they can't afford vet care. And depending on a person's finances, you know, your pet falls and breaks its leg and you're looking at a $2,000 vet bill, you know, that it may not just, that may not be doable for a lot of people. If you've got rent coming up or you've got, you know, children and you've got to, you know, pay for groceries, et cetera. And so, you know, our goal with the community teaching hospital is to keep those pets in their homes and help preserve that animal human bond. Because again, it just, it's, it's so important for people's emotional well-being. It's better for the pet. And, um, you know, if, 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 not having the money to provide some veterinary care is the barrier to that person keeping that pet. We certainly want to, to, to reduce that. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. So now how did you get started with the Oregon Humane Society? So I, um, I have been around OHS for a long time. I uh, have been, I've been an employee in this role. I'm the public information manager, and I've been here for about two and a half years as an employee, but I've been a volunteer since 1998. So I have been um, here since the old shelter that was built in the 30s or 40s that was literally falling down. <laughs> um, so I was, uh, I was here when the new shelter was built built in 2000. Um, and then when the medical center and the behavior center was, um, was built in 2007. So for me personally, it's been just so rewarding to see this growth and this evolution of animal welfare in our community, because, you know, I'm sure if you've been in Portland for a while, um, you know, 10, 20 years ago, animals were being euthanized when there was not enough space. You know, there were a lot more stray animals. People weren't spaying neutering their dogs. People weren't necessarily thinking about going to a shelter to get a pet. Um, and just to see that cultural shift has been you know, just uh, amazing because, um, you know, I remember those early days in the late 90s and, and, you know, there was definitely some sad days and I have just always had such deep admiration for these folks that work in shelters, um, especially during those particular times. And um, I've just always loved being around people that are part of this, this mission to, further animal welfare, um, you know, care for animals, celebrate the bond with animals. And honestly, I've found some of my best friends by volunteering at OHS that, you know, have been friends of mine for 20 plus years. And so it's, it's, um, you know, it's kind of just some of that, it feels like it's in my DNA, I guess, for to, not to sound cliche, but um, yeah, I just, I love this work. I, I, you know, I love the Oregon Humane Society. And, you know, one of the things too, that's happened in our community over the last, I would say 10 to 20 years too, that's been very cool to see is the cooperation among agencies and smaller rescues, uh, because it really does take a village. And like a great example of that is, you know, at OHS, sometimes we'll have a dog that doesn't do well in our shelter environment because, you know, they are in individual kennels. And so there might be a breed rescue group that is really specializes in that particular breed that can get that, that dog, you know, it happens probably mostly with dogs, can get that dog the specialized knowledge that he or she might need. And so just to see that cooperation amongst agencies has been, has been really cool. Yeah, that's great. I was just talking to Animal Aid Mm -hmm. a couple weeks ago and they were talking about how 
they would like, they would almost like a, a podcast with everybody on it that, you know, to kind of talk about how you all work together because they were so appreciative of how everybody comes together to sell, you know, to help save animals and, you know, get them the treatments that they need. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, it's, and it's not like that in every community. It hasn't always been like that here, but, you know, when I've been to national conferences, you know, in some communities, there's still a lot of tension between the animal shelters and the rescue groups or the animal services agencies and rescue groups. And, you know, at the end of the day, we're all trying to save lives. And maybe sometimes we might disagree in our tactics to get there, but we're all going for the same, you know, we're all heading toward the same goal. And so there's so much more to be gained by working together and respecting each other and being kind. I mean, being kind is, you know, our, we're more humane society, you know, a more humane right. society is more than a tagline for us. It's really um, kind of our North Star that guides us. Yeah, that's great. Now, so, do, so the Doggy Dash is going virtual. Are there any other events coming up that people should be aware of? So in December, we usually do an event called Santa Paws, and that is where people can come get photos with their with their pet with Santa Paws. Um, and we are hoping to do that in person this year. Last year, we partnered with Mud Bay on this event. And so our event folks are talking with them now to figure out, is there a safe way that we can do it, keep people spread out, maybe do it by appointment, maybe have it in a in a, um, uh, a tent in the parking lot. So more to come on that. But that's uh, as we get into the holidays, there's a couple of um, holiday themed events that uh, either will be partially in person, partially virtual. Virtual. We do a big event every year called Snuggle Express, and I, I'm sad to say that uh, that probably will have to go completely virtual. The, that, that event is where people can um, have a litter of puppies or kittens come to their workplace, um, and those funds that are uh, part of that program go to help the shelter pets, and it's usually... Uh, I have worked at Snuggle Express before. There is nothing more fun than taking a litter of puppies into a law office and seeing like all these lawyers just melt and like just you can just see the stress melt away from people but obviously that is an in-person event with people in close quarters and so we're going to have to look at how we reimagine that so well I don't know it sounds like you know the puppy class you could just like videotape that and put that on YouTube you know and (laughs) and people be very happy to look at that you know, our events people are so creative. I, I am sure they already have a, a number of options to still be able to bring that cuteness to people, but do it safely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so is there any way that the, it, like, what are the ways that the public can support you now, you know, knowing that you're not accepting volunteers and things like that? What are other ways that the public can do that? Well, there's a couple of different ways. So we have an Amazon wish list. So um, especially right now, as we are receiving a lot of younger kittens who might need, um, you know, special soft kitten food or kitten formula, you can order that off of our Amazon wish list. We also have a donation bin out in front of the shelter. So if you're in the neighborhood of uh, Northeast Columbia, just off of MLK, you can drop off stuff for us. Um, monetary donations always go a long way. We can, you know, we've got great buying power with uh, some of our suppliers who, who supply us with, you know, food, medications, et cetera. Um, and uh, participating in our events is also another great way to, to help the shelter animals. So um, all the funds that are raised at any of our events go right back to, to care for the animals. So um, 
and of course adopt uh, if you're if you're in a position to adopt um, you know if you've been thinking about teaching your pet some some new new tricks or, or new skills uh, I would encourage everybody to take a take a class those funds also like I mentioned go right back to to helping pets in need so any way that you engage with the Oregon Humane Society um, at the end of the day it does help shelter animals and everybody should join your newsletter so that they can make sure that they're up to date on all the events and everything that's going on because you all Abs- share great information. Absolutely. Can you, do, you can do that on our website, OregonHumane.org. There's a link on that, our homepage to sign up for our newsletter. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Oh, absolutely. You have a great day. All right. Thank you. Thank you. seeing cute photos of pets and connecting with other pet parents and businesses in Portland, let's continue the conversation in our Facebook group. I would love to hear about your pets, answer your questions, and get suggestions for what you want to hear on the podcast. I'll see you in the PDX Pet Connection Facebook group.